kripa sindhu bhivacha. Patita nam pamane bio vaishnavi junamo namaha. Good evening. Continuing with a very, very detailed discussion of Madhurya Kadambani. Uh, we're up to close to 30 lectures. We're going a little in depth here. Reason being is it's so <clears throat> foundational to our to our practice. Fully understand progressive devotional practice and be well informed of how we can advance uh, through the practice. It all starts with faith, but well-informed faith really serves us well in advancing in devotional life. We can see that Vishwanath Chakravarti has taken great pains to uh, very much give us, uh, keep us well-informed in a way that we can more deeply appreciate Srila Rupa Goswami. We are all Rupa Nugas, and Rupa Goswami is, is giving us the foundation of spiritual practice according to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dictate. That is a very extraordinary benediction that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is providing. Uh, entrance into a level of service to the Supreme, which is extraordinary, uh, the highest the highest service to the Supreme Lord in the most intimate association. We are uh, truly blessed to be associated with those who are coming to give that highest level of <clears throat> devotional practice and to afford us some entrance at some time, and whenever time that is, will be the perfect time, into actually serving the Rigatmikas, those people that are really, really Krishna's favorites. I mean, Krishna loves everyone, but he loves some so much that he forgets he's God. So that's that's a pretty extraordinary thing, and to even even have knowledge of it, what to speak of perhaps an opportunity to be invited into that realm of service is uh, is what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to to distribute. What else could he do? He he, he wanted to to really, really uh, taste what is it that, that Radha sees in me? What is it that Radha appreciates? How does she appreciate it? What is it? Uh, he was overwhelmed with that sentiment to such an extent that, that, he, that he, he was overflowing with that spiritual emotion to the extent that he, he had to distribute it. He, he couldn't contain himself. So we're we're we are in a very very unique position. So there is some something to be done on our part. So that's basically what Vishwanath is is providing us is 
let's stay away from these nom operads. This is this is where it gets serious. These other things, the anarthas that come from our, you know, conditioning since time immemorial, minor things, the clashes, the everything that's coming because of ignorance in association with Krishna's external potency. Those those are not the big, the big thing that we we have to conf- we have to deal with. We have to take shelter of Nichananda Prabhu. Because, uh, you know, if we look, Bhaktivinoda Thakur has given us some indication that uh, there are great fruits to be had. And these tall fruits are, are available, but there, is, there are some misconceptions, some, some demons keeping, them, keeping us away. So this is our, this is our true, true work is it's two things basically uh, Balaram uh, dispatched a, a couple demons himself and those are the demons that are represented in a way that we also have to put some energy into that and the demons of deceitfulness uh, putting ourselves we have to really become humble we can't just uh, we can't we can't hide in the guise of devotee. We need to be a devotee. We just need to be a devotee. It's as simple as that. It's not about how we dress. It's about how we feel, how we act, how our heart is, what we want. We want a nunyabak. We want only devotional service. And we're willing to go to hell to get it. We don't care how many lifetimes it takes us. We're going to get it. Whatever it takes... I will do that. I will surrender to the extent necessary to taste this fruit, to be able to serve those devotees that give Krishna so much pleasure that he forgets himself, that God forgets he's God, that he gives up all that opulence and just embraces. So we want in that embrace, or we at least want to help others get into that embrace that's an even higher sense of it is it not the highest sense alright so the task at hand we're dealing here in the third shower and in the third shower Vishwanath is specifically dealing with the Anarthas Anarthas falling into four basic categories piety, impiety coming from our material conditioning and now we're up to nam-aparats and from and he's touching on these nam-aparats and we've gone through Vaishnava-aparad and offending the spiritual master the mahat, the sadhus uh, that are they're giving us shelter, uh, our gurus, uh, gurum. Now we're up to a position of understanding properly tattva, 
spiritual tattva, the spiritual, the spiritual position of the Lord and His various energies. What our position is, there's some jiva tattva in there, and it's all in this third aparad. This third aparad of, of uh, misunderstanding uh, the rela- relationship misunderstanding perhaps and we want to avoid a misunderstanding of of uh, Vishnu Tattva also this Shiva Tattva becomes a little unique uh, it gives us a deeper understanding uh, and uh, and uh, and uh, Jiva Tattva you may say well I don't understand. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, what need is there for all this detailed knowledge? With a single spark of my splendor, I pervade, support everything. So so we as sadhikas may say, well, well this, is, this is thick stuff trying to figure out, especially Shiva. It's like, she's a pretty complicated thing when the supreme Vishnu Tattva voluntarily comes under the sway of his material energy. When an aspect of the Supreme does that, it's, you know, it's a very unique position. And to not properly understand that, to misunderstand that, uh, uh, is a nam-aparad. So that seems like pretty detailed knowledge, but what Krishna told Arjuna, what, what need is there for all this detailed knowledge? So the need is there just so that there is no offense. It's a practical thing. And I think we need to look, we look at devotional service in a very practical way. It, it's our, it becomes the sadhaka's life. It transforms him. And it transforms him in a way that he, he, he wants to enter into the family of the Lord. So there is certain etiquettes, there are certain understandings that naturally need to be in place. We need to understand who is Krishna, what are all these energies, what, what is, what's the spiritual world, what's the material world, how does it work? So that we don't offend. So it's not like we're trying to acquire a lot of knowledge just for knowledge's sake. Oh, there's this Vishnu and that Vishnu and from that Vishnu comes here and then there's a partial devastation and a full devastation and you know. But it, it's, it's more if we look at it in the context of developing a relationship a relationship with Krishna it means we need to really understand who is he. How does he work? How do his energies work? So, and if we don't, then misconceptions bore of our ignorance. And we're really used to ignorance because we've been in that game since time immemorial. So we're used to ignorance. We're comfortable being in ignorance. There's no problem for us being f- afraid of death. You know, all these five 
clashes, starting with avidya and uh, false ego and uh, passionate desire and hatred when we don't get the desire fulfilled and then a, 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 a fear of death. Everything is going to be ripped away from me. This avidya, we're, we're like, we're tight with that. We have no problem just letting our complete being become overtaken by this, these clashes. No problem at all. And the, and, the, and the Bhagavat's there to give us hundreds of examples, you know, of different people in different circumstances. And really think about it. This is you. This is you on deathbed. You were thinking like this. Or, you know, you were in this position. Anadi, we can't trace out. So do you really think, if we cannot trace out the beginning of our material existence, if it is beginningless, if we're as old as God, okay? Imagine, if we are as old as the Supreme Lord is, then there's probably little that we haven't done. Little that we haven't experienced there's probably no living entity that we haven't been at one time or another. I mean, think about Anadi. Beginningless. Now we're talking about crossing over from the realm of ignorance into the realm of, of Krishna's personal association. That's going to be a huge thing for us. It's like the biggest thing we can imagine. We're going to go from a complete, the complete, the complete worthless existence that we've been in forever into a whole other life where there'll be no suffering, there'll be no anxiety, except if Krishna goes behind a tree and I can't see him. But, I mean, that's going to be the height of it. Or he runs off to Dworkin, and I can't dance with him or I can't run in the fields with him or I can't, you know, suckle him. These are going to be the biggest problems in our life someday. Instead of, oh my gosh, how painful is death going to be? Oh my gosh, my wife ran off. Oh my gosh, my child died. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. We've been doing this oh my gosh stuff since since forever. And it's it's it wears on us. It wears so much that at the end of one term of existence, we forget all about what we did in it. Imagine that. We start afresh, screaming our heads off as we're popped out of a womb from one living entity or another, one species of or, or another. Here I am again. But it was so bad last time that my, I couldn't even deal with bringing any of that psychology with me. How bad was that? So, we get a fresh slate. Swipe clean, but we carry a little bit of the baggage with us. A little bit. 
there's a whole storehouse of material desire out there, you know, in, in the uh, the various material potencies of the Lord. But we we get hung up in uh, goodness or passion or ignorance. We carry a little bit of us of that with us along with recent, I don't know, few lifetimes, 10, 20, 50, 100, 1,000, who knows, a little bit of sinful activity and piety coming with us into this body, continually just rotating, going on and on. So this is a whole, we're making a major move here. This is a major change. We need to get it right. We... Let's get through this stage of unsteady practice which carries with it misconceptions. Those misconceptions lead to us offending Krishna and offending his devotees. We need to get through this stage and part of that requires enough knowledge of who Krishna is and what his various potencies are that we don't we don't make mistakes that create offense so when we look to the offenses of the holy name and we look to this offense it's funny that the way it reads here it seems that it's in opposition uh, to the way that uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada uh, presented it uh, to his disciples. The third offense being that we equate, that we give equal credit to, uh, it's an offense to give equal credit to praising the Supreme Lord and praising the various administrators of universal affairs, Shiva being one of those. But here, the way it's presented by Vishwanath, it appears that he's saying well, you have to understand that Shiva actually is, he's, what, what, what's the terminology we're using here? Uh, Ishvara Shaitanya, controller, controlling Shaitanya, as opposed to Jiva Shaitanya. So we don't, Vishwanath is saying, well, the offense is to, to not see Shiva as Isvarya Chaitanya, as, as the superior uh, controller, and to misunderstand that he is Jiva Chaitanya, that he's controlled. But, so it seems, we'll read the verse again, Chaitanya or conscious beings are of two types, Independent and dependent. The first, independent Ishvara Shaitanya, is the all-pervading Lord. And the second is the dependent Jiva Shaitanya, that pervades only the 
only um, his own body and is a particular energy of the Lord controlled him, by him. Ishvara Shaitanya is again of two types, free of the touch of Maya and accepting the touch of Maya by his own free will. Ishvara Shaitanya, free from the touch of Maya, is known by such names as Narayan. Srimad Bhagavatam says, Sri Hari exists beyond the three modes of material nature and is completely transcendental. Therefore, he himself is the supreme transcendental personality. The second Ishwari Saitanya accepts the touch of Maya by his own will and is known as Shiva and so on. Shastras say Shiva is always associated with Maya and is the predominating deity of Vaikarika, Tajasa, and Tamasa. Three types of ego. This is one of Shiva's functions, as we discussed last time. He's, he's in charge of uh, putting us in, in contact with the material energy and, and develop an, e- developing an ego, either in the mode of goodness, passion, or ignorance, which allows us to function and try to exploit uh, the material energy. He is covered by three gunas, sattvas, guna, three gunas, sattva, rajas, and tamas. One should not think Shiva as a jiva, though he is covered by three gunas, because Brahma Samhita says, as milk is transformed into yogurt, yet yogurt is not different from milk, its cause. I worship the primeval Lord Govinda, who similarly accepts the form of Shiva by his own will, for the particular purpose of destruction. So, then your question arises, well, why would the Lord want to, if he is Isvarya, Shaitanya, if he is a conscious thing, a conscious being, who is a supreme controller, why would he purposely subject himself to control of the exter- his external potency. Why would he do that? What? Why would he, you know, it's, it's a good question. Why would he do it? But there, but there is a, there is a purpose um, that he's willing to come into contact with the Lord's external energy even though he is in that category of controller. And that is for service. Uh, Krishna's devotees for service, even though they're in, even those in the category of, that are not jiva, the, uh, the, uh, and the shaktis of the Lord, they're willing to go to hell for for the supreme, uh, and we look at even the supreme lord's first expansion, Lord Balaram, Nityananda Balaram. What's his whole existence about? His whole existence is about 
making his brother happy. So it's not it's 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 not a hard thing to imagine that out of loving sentiment, even those that are the supreme controllers that are not jivas, a naughty with a naughty karma who have been here since time immemorial, are also willing to to become subordinate to Krishna's other energies in order to facilitate service. But it is complicated. It's especially Shiva. The, the Tattva of Shiva is, is, is uh, very confusing. It can be very confusing. Uh, in order to try to get a, a better grasp of it, I downloaded a book today by uh, uh, Narayan Maharaj, specifically called Shiva Tattva, and I read most of it. It's not a big book. But I mean, it's just full of, of, of this of seeing Lord Shiva in the proper perspective of understanding of his pastimes, of understanding how in Brihat Bhagavatamrita, you know, he feels Shiva feels that his service is not on a plane equal to that of Prahlad Maharaj, because. Well, Pallad Maharaj, Krishna, Krishna saved him. And he gets to say in his association. Krishna is right there with him in the lower planetary systems. He's able to worship Krishna day in and day out. So Shiva has this sense, wow, Pallad's more advanced than I am. So how to understand all these things, that the, these, these relationships and how they work and, and how one Ishvara can go to what would seem to be extraordinary extremes to, to please Krishna, to please the Supreme Lord. Um, so I think we went over most of this pretty uh, pretty extensively I wanted to share with you one thing we did not touch upon last time is again we're talking about tattva here and we're talking about jiva tattva what's the position of the jiva that's pretty easy to understand what there's nothing smaller than if you if you want the smallest unit the minutest of the minutest as jiva goswami points out in his Paramatma Sandarbha, that's the jiva. It doesn't get any any smaller than that. The 
teeniest of the teeniest, the minutest of the minutest, is the words he uses. Uh, that's the jiva. And then we have the Ishwaras. Um, the jiva, I'm sorry, then, what I wanted to spread, this is also from Jiva Goswami. Um, and we've heard this analogy that milk and yogurt are basically the same thing. So Shiva is a transformation of milk. He is an Ishwara coming in contact with an agent, right? A culture. The culture of Krishna's external potency, the modes of material nature. And in coming to contact with this, that milk of Ishwara turns into yogurt. What's the unique characteristic of yogurt? We can take milk and we can make yogurt. Is there a way to take the yogurt and add a culture and go the other way? No. So that's an interesting characteristic. So once having that aspect of Shiva. Now here again, when we get into Shiva Tattva, there's other there's also, you know, the Asvara Shiva that never comes in contact uh, with the material energy. And that Shiva uh, has specific service in the transcendental realm. But when in contact with material energy, this is the constitution according to Jiva Goswami, of Shiva. No, pause, please. A pause? Yes, so, sir. So this whole time we've just been talking about Guna Avatar? Yes. Okay. Yes. Vikara Visesha means a special element that is a combination of the mode of ignorance of maya, the nature of minuteness of the marginal potency, and the cognizant nature of swarup shakti, mixed with a slight degree of ladini shakti. That is... Shiva's composition, uh, that's what constitutes Shiva in that transformed state. Want to hear it again? All right. So, Shiva is what? Shaitanya Ishwara, a controller, touched like milk, is touched with a culture, becomes yogurt. Shiva is touched by material nature. The constituents of his, of the Shiva that is in touch with material energy is a combination of the 
mode of ignorance of maya, tamagun, the nature of the minuteness of the marginal potency, he takes on a nature of minuteness, like the jiva, but he's not the jiva. The cognizant nature of Swarup Shakti. That's why they say Shiva is all-knowing. He still has that Swarup Shakti, that cognizance that is there from the, from the, from the transcendental realm, the Ishvara side. And a slight degree of Ladini Shakti, bliss, energy. Enough that what? How much does he have of that? Enough that he, we consider him as Vaishnavs to be the greatest Vaishnav. He has that much bliss in, in his... He, he has that much connection with the blissfulness which constitutes the nature of Krishna's pure devotees. They were overwhelmed by this, this, this praying, this loving affection and uh, blissful nature, which is the nature of the Shurup Shakti. Mm. So we went over uh, the story, Visvakseka, the little Brahmin boy who wanted his Shiva Linga worshipped by, you know, by a Brahmin, a devotee, a Vaishnav devotee. He didn't really want to do it, but uh, he was threatened with death, so he did it. But to do it, he, uh, you know, he uh, chanted the Nishringa mantra. He thought that was appropriate to worship Nishringa within the Linga. And uh, in doing that, he... uh, upset the Brahmin boy who immediately said, that's it. I ask you to worship my Shiva and, and, and you're worshiping it as, as Nishringa. Really in the devotee's mind, he wanted to off, make an offering to Lord Nishringa and then the remnants he was going to give to the, to the Vaishnav uh, Shiva. And that was the way he was content to do the service. But it didn't, the Brahmin boy was not content. He, and at that time, from the linga came the shringa. He came out, and he he killed the boy and his whole family. And uh, in the commentary here, it actually says the deity of Nishringa Dave is still existing in South India by the famous name Linga uh, Sporta Nishringa Dave. This gives the evidence of the non-difference of Hari and Shiva. Many Puranas, again, we're going back to the Vishnu-Nas, the translation of Vishnu-Nas specific verse. Many Puranas and other scriptures give Shiva, describe Shiva as, as a Swara. The Bhagavat says, however, the Lord accepts the form of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva for creation, maintenance, and destruction of the universe. From this sloka, it is generally understood that Brahma is also Ishvara Tattva. He may be considered as such in the way that he is empowered by the Lord's specific energy for creation. The Brahma Samhita says, 
as the sun manifests some portion of its own light in the stone Surya Kantamani, similarly being powered by the by the Lord's energy, Brahma creates this universe. So now we're getting a little bit more tattva. He, Vishwanath is introducing a little bit more of of. <clears throat> of the nature of how the Lord empowers a living entity, like a Brahma, who has what? How did he get there? How did he become that great that he was allowed to be the creator of a universe? Perfect execution of Varnashram Dharma without material desire for 100 lifetimes. One thing that I read in the book by Narayan Maharaj today is, and if Brahma if you are a Brahma if you have been perfect in Varnashram without material desire for 100 lifetimes and now you you can create your own universe and and serve the Supreme Lord in that way and be given control of the modes of passion. If, if you're in that position for 100 Brahmas, you can become a Shiva. I'm just passing on the information. I thought it was interesting that there is a circumstance wherein a jivatma can take the position. You don't become Shiva because what's the nature of Shiva? He's an Ishvara Shaitanya. He is a conscious controller. So a jiva is never going to become an Ishvara. But you can have the position of Shiva So now we're going to get to a very interesting point where the contradiction is reconciled. And that's one of the places that Vishwanath goes to here is the reconciliation of this contradiction of, well, is he? How do we... We don't want to chant the name of Shiva as if it is Vishnu Tattva, but it he is Vishnu Tattva, so we don't want to offend him by think that he's think thinking that he's less than Vishnu Tattva. But sometimes he can be a Jiva. Very unique circumstance. And sometimes Vishnu Tattva can be a Brahma. So, what are we learning here? What is, what is all this detailed knowledge leading us to? It's leading us to understand more deeply the way Krishna interacts with all of his various energies. His Tatasta Shakti, which is ourselves. His material potency, which for the most part, he expands 
through his brother and his brother expands and then expands again a portion of a portion and then we have Karna Dakshai Vishnu Garbo Dakshai Vishnu Kashira Dakshai Vishnu manifesting universes coming forth with the Tatasta Shakti which is the minutest of the minutest portions of consciousness which are also the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We are a part and parcel of the Supreme Lord. Sometimes he can empower one of those parcels to create a universe. And sometimes that portion of him that touched the material energy in order to do the important service of facilitating the false egos of the living entity to interact with matter in such a way that they can they can believe it is themselves it has to be a pretty daunting task to take a, a, a particle of spiritual consciousness the tatasta shakti and and throw it into the material energy and make it completely adhere Although it isn't. Actually, everything's happening by the modes of material nature. Maya Dakshena Prakriti. So the jiva is or the jiva isn't? Is it attached? Is it not attached? How is this happening? How is this relation? How is the false ego attaching to something that it really isn't? Has no. It's, it's like the difference between. Oil and water, it, how does it amalgamate with matter because it isn't matter? Well, the false ego gives it that sense of, yeah, you are matter, you are that body, you are that mind, you are that consciousness. All coming under that jurisdiction of, of, of Shiva. time do we have left here all right I'm going to jump ahead and try to give you a sense of oh yes I did yes a sense of how the reconciliation happens and maybe next class we'll touch on a couple more things in this area. Because what Vishwanath does now is he basically wraps it up. He doesn't go through the other seven offenses to the holy names. He directs us to, he says, hmm, no, it's in the next verse. Uh, he closes this section with an interesting directive to us. He comes to understand that the most merciful Shrutis are trying to inspire persons unrestrained. Basically, this is the offense to think to, to nullify or to uh, offend the, the 
the Shrutis, those part of the Vedas that don't extol bhakti. That's an offense if we do that. There's a reason that there is the Janakanda sections and the Karmakanda sections. Uh, is that the right terminology? Kanda for jhana? Anyway, uh, we don't nullify those because they have their point. They, there are certain classes of people who will gradually have an opportunity, perhaps, to come uh, to bhakti because they take up the paths recommended in the Shrutis, even though those paths are not the path of pure bhakti. So we don't vilify them. Uh, but then he goes on, one should thus understand the cause and the nullification of the other six nam-aparads. So he touches on four and then he says, now you see the way I analyze these four for you? <coughs> That's enough. Now you have an indication. Now put everything that you see in, the, in these other six offenses to the holy name, apply the same kind of logic. See how it's related to bhakti and how you want to look at these offenses in such a way that they do not hamper your bhakti. Sorry. All right. So I wanted to just touch on this before because we mentioned it. First, it is said that to see difference between Vishnu and Shiva is an offense. And now it is said that to see Shiva as equal to Vishnu makes one an atheist. These two statements appear contradictory. Wait till you hear this. This will blow you away. The answer is that the consideration of difference is forbidden in relation to Shiva, who is an eminent <coughs> Lord. <coughs> consideration of non-difference is forbidden in relation to Shiva when his position is an eminent Jiva. Remember we said once in a while a Brahma can be perfect for a hundred lifetimes and become a Shiva. So when that happens you have to see well he's not in the category of Vishnu Tattva or not what we would call Ishvarya Shaitanya. He's not a he's not a controlling controller. He's a jiva. <coughs> and similarly, with Brahma, the, it also applies. Sometimes, very rarely, no one's, there's no one around, in, I guess, in that universe uh, for the next manifestation uh, that's qualified. That is 100 lifetimes of selfless following of the Varnashram system. So Krishna takes the job on. Well, then we have to know that that's... You have to know that can happen. <coughs> so 
Similarly, Brahma is, Brahma is generally an imminent jiva. He's generally a jiva. But his position as an imminent lord is also known from the Shastras. So how important is all this detailed knowledge? It's just a matter of understanding it in the association of, the, of sadhus. We understand properly what are the possibilities, what are the, what are, what are the various possibilities that, that the Supreme Lord has uh, with his various shaktis and, and the jivas and that these, that these possibilities exist, that the Lord can have his own free will, will even though he is the supreme controller and as far as he can manifest a form and come into contact with his material energy, he can do that as a, that we call Shiva. He sometimes even doesn't, if there's nobody qualified to be a Brahma, he will come and do Brahma's duties. And similarly, the Jiva can be empowered to make a universe. Krishna gives him the energy, the capacity, the ability to, to, to be a Brahma, uh, which is a Guna avatar, which is what do we, it's an avatar, we, a controller. But it's not Ishvara. So it's just, the, it's, it's this kind of knowledge of what are the possibilities and what, how does the Lord work with his various energies. And we, we can see practically the necessity for understanding these things in proper perspective. How critical it is to advancing nicely in devotional service and not being overtaken by misconceptions that can confuse us, bewilderness, and make us offenders to the proper understanding. The proper understanding is what? What do we call that? We call that Veda. We call it knowledge. What is it? It's a manifestation of Krishna. We don't want to offend the knowledge because the knowledge itself is, is, is a, an expansion from the Supreme Lord. It's his breath. It's how he, how he interacts with his, his Tathasta Shakti in a way that he can pull it closer to him. I'll stop with that. Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna.